back to this week's episode of Spread Talk. Hopefully you caught our last episode about the draft and all things Cleveland football last week on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. As always, I am Isaac Krakoka. And I'm Will Kuypers. And we've got quite a few interesting storylines from this week. As of right now, Aaron Rodgers is still a Green Bay Packer. Um, but until that changes, we are going to lead the show with our week one NFL reaction schedule drop um a lot of interesting storylines the nfl is a genius in uh in marketing and they really flex their muscles with their week one slate so the first game that i want to highlight will go in order from the thursday night game all the way to the monday night game i thought to start off the nfl season the cowboys versus the buccaneers on thursday night football is a great choice a I mean, defending Super Bowl champion, they're maintaining that motif. They had the Chiefs versus the Texans to open the season last year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so Chiefs coming off a Super Bowl victory, um, Bucks coming off a Super Bowl win, facing the biggest brand in the NFL. It will draw absolutely massive TV ratings. I mean, not only because it's the first game in the in the season, if it was the Lions versus the Jaguars, it would still draw huge ratings because it's the NFL being back. But you choose currently, I would argue, two of the five biggest markets in the NFL to lead off your season in Tampa Bay. They'll have a Super Bowl presentation pregame. It'll be a whole event. I thought that was a great way to open up the NFL season and obviously very much thought about beforehand. Um, so, Will, what's one of your games that you're kind of interested in in week one? Yeah, so I'm looking at the Browns versus the Chiefs. Uh, Browns have a whole bunch of new players on the defense come, going against the defending – or not the defending Super Bowl champs, the Super Bowl champs from two years ago. Honestly, probably could have competed more had they had an offensive line uh, last year, but – that's another part that makes this game this week scary for or the week one for scary for the Browns is that they completely retooled the offensive line. Um, and Pat Mahomes, you know, dangerous as usual. He's got all his weapons around him still. Um, with against the Browns who – sorry. With months to prepare with Andy Reid, you know. I mean, it's not like it's a mid-season yeah. game. Yeah, and uh, the Browns, who did gain a lot of momentum towards the end of the year, it's a playoff rematch, um, which will be fun. Uh, hopefully there's not as many missed calls as there were the first time, <laughs> um, namely a helmet-to-helmet right on the goal line, oh, well, a, a potential oh, holding holding call on the last play. If Cleveland stops a Chad Henney quarterback draw on third and 13, we might not even be having this conversation, but you know, but instead the chiefs held on that play. So, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, I think that's, a, that's going to be a great game to watch uh, as a Browns fan. I, I am very, very scared, uh, <laughs> but I think it'll be very entertaining for sure. I think it'll be entertaining. I am interested to see how the new defensive starters in the secondary fare against Pat Mahomes and Kansas City's air raid style of offense. Obviously, John Johnson, Troy Hill, and Denzel Ward individually can hang against the best receivers in the NFL. And I thought the Rams historically have stacked up pretty well 
against Kansas City's offense. Um, so, you know, it might not be the worst thing in the world, but I think the Browns drawing Kansas City as a week one matchup is probably the worst draw of the whole weekend. Um, just throwing out some stats. I did not come up with these. Obviously, these are all public domain stats, but in the month of September, Patrick Mahomes is 10-0 and under Andy Reid. And his touchdown to interception ratio is 32 to zero. Um, so needless to say, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid really get after it in the first month of the season. And I don't like how that fares for a Brown secondary that has not played an NFL regular season game together. Um, but Browns have a string of easy-ish games in the next four or five to get their mojo back, but very bad week one draw. Um, yeah. I'll I'll touch on it real quick. Uh, the Sunday night football game for this uh, week one is also particularly interesting. The NFL is reminding you that Matt Stafford is an L.A. Ram against a very talented Chicago Bears defense. I think the Rams will win by 10 or 15, um, especially with the Bears starting Andy Dalton, as they should. Uh, I don't think you give Justin Fields the ball game one going to LA against that defense. I think you'd get obliterated, but I think this is a way to kind of curry favor for the LA Rams crowd, the Matt Stafford for MVP crowd, not to say that I give, you know, a rip about MVP talk this early in the season, but it'll put Matt Stafford on the map in one game more so than he ever had when he was in Detroit. Like this is more television exposure than Matt, Matt Stafford has had than any other game in his 10 year career. So I just think it's an interesting storyline. I'll be watching and I expect Matt Stafford to kind of ball out with that LA Rams offense. Yeah, I think, it, I think it'll be a good game. It's definitely cool to see him play for his new team in a much bigger market on in prime time uh, for his first game there. Uh, the spotlight doesn't get much brighter for this if you're Matt Stafford unless you're playing in a Super Bowl. Um, so pretty cool seeing him get a lot of exposure now. And I agree, Justin Fields shouldn't start um, this early, but I think I think it'll be a pretty good game, actually. I think it'll be less than 10 points, but the Rams will win. Okay. Um, just, because, just because Andy Dalton, is he's serviceable. And the Rams have lost have lost a few good defenders, so you're right. That does make right. a difference. How could, I, how could I forget? How could I forget? Um, yeah, you wanna you wanna take us home with this Monday night football preview? Yeah, so uh, the Monday night game in Week One is also going to be pretty electric for ratings. Um, the Raiders opening the the new season in their new stadium, full capacity, I believe, uh, against the Ravens, against Lamar Jackson. Um, I think that's pretty, pretty good because, you know, you put them on as the only game that night, obviously, because it's a Monday night. Um, in that brand new stadium, uh, that's just anytime the team's playing in a new stadium, it's, it's storylines for days. Um, <laughs> Who's going to score the first touchdown in the new stadium? Who's going to get the first interception? Are they going to win? Um, I think they're going to mention that it's a new stadium probably 30 times within the first quarter of that should. game. It's absolutely beautiful. It's a gorgeous it stadium. Is. And you're playing – and you're playing – I mean, I don't think this is a hot take. The most electrifying quarterback since Michael Vick. 
I say this as a Browns fan with much chagrin. Lamar Jackson's the most fun quarterback to watch. It's, I mean, maybe Patrick Mahomes. I don't know. You could make the argument, but I think Lamar is the most exhilarating quarterback to play since Michael Vick. And it's a great way to baptize the new Vegas stadium with a full capacity because of course it will. It's Vegas. Um, They're not going to miss a chance to market themselves. Before we move on to the next segment, I've got one more game that I want to highlight that I forgot about. Um, If this is a week four matchup, I don't think anyone really cares because at this point, both teams are going to be one and two or oh and three. But because it's a week one matchup, there's the storyline of Sam Darnold revenge game against the New York Jets. Did the Jets get it right? Is Zach Wilson going to be able to hang? I don't think the Carolina defense is incredible. So I think it'll be a closer game than um, a lot of the others on the slate. I do think the Panthers win just because I think Sam Darnold is serviceable and he has a lot of good weapons with the additions of Curtis Samuel. Um, And they're already pretty good wide receiving core. Robbie Anderson and Sam Darnold already have some chemistry from when they were both on the Jets. Plus first year head coach, first year quarterback, first game of the season, you know, Kevin Stefanski won coach of the year. He lost by 30 last year in week one. So I just don't see that going super well for the Jets. It's just an interesting storyline that the NFL very intentionally put in week one. All right. Moving on with some more football content. Tim Tebow is back, I guess, for now. Um, Yeah, Will, what's your knee-jerk reaction? My knee-jerk reaction is that it's just simply a publicity stunt. I think I think everything he's done after his first stint in the NFL, including this and trying to play professional baseball. I'm not going to say he played professional baseball, even though technically <laughs> he did, um, because that was that was a brutal thing to watch. Um, Being a miss, so uh, you could say. <laughs> Yeah, a very big swing in this. Um, but I think I think it's just another publicity stunt. Um, who knows? Maybe he'll prove me wrong. Maybe he'll be a serviceable tight end or wherever they decide to play him. However, if they decide to use him in a Taysom Hill type role or whatever, um, he could prove me wrong. But I think it's just a publicity stunt. Um, and I think he could potentially be taking away a roster spot from someone who might deserve it. That's what I'm saying in baseball. Yeah. And even if it is a publicity stunt, I feel like it's kind of a bad one. I mean, I'm not faulting Tim Tebow. Like this is his dream. If you're given the opportunity, I'm not faulting him for taking it. That's it's not his fault. Um, I'm kind of faulting Urban Meyer and his judgment on that, because first of all, signing Tim Tebow as a tight end does not make a lot of sense. Tim Tebow is like six, one or six, two. He's not incredibly big. I mean, he's athletic, but I would argue that tight end has is the position in football that has changed probably the most in the last 10 years since Tebow took the field last eight years ago, specifically, maybe safety. There's a little more blitzing involved in the safety packages nowadays, but I would say tight end 10 years ago was more of a blocking position. I would say right now, tight end is probably one of your more versatile offensive positions on the field because these guys are six foot five. 260 with hands that are too good to play defense right so you're asking tim tebow because i mean he will have to block at some point but 
if you sign him on as a tight end, he's undersized. He's not going to have incredible route running because he's not super fast. He ran like a four, seven. This is a borrowed stat, by the way. I didn't, I did not record that myself. I, I heard someone talk about it and I was like, Ooh, I'm going to mention that. Yeah. He ran a four, seven in eight, eight years ago. Now he's over 30 years old. And if you look at the wealth of tight ends in the league right now, you have guys like George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, and the number one skill position guy off the board in Kyle Pitts, tight end is not the same position it was 10 years ago. And it just didn't make a lot of sense to me because the rest of the 29 teams around the league, if Tim Tebow called them and said, I will play for free, they would say, you're a very nice guy. And I'm sure your locker room presence is great, but we do not have room for you. And that would be the right decision. So that kind of brings me back to Urban Meyer. Um, As a Buckeye homer, I am very grateful for what he brought to Columbus, Ohio in 2015, 2014, 2015, Um, you know, college football national championship. It was awesome. His best skill is recruiting. I don't know how that translates to the NFL, but that's not the discussion I'm having. His judgment has been odd this off season, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's been been very questionable. Yeah. Just to name off three instances of kind of suspect judgment First, he tried to push that Iowa strength and conditioning coach through. Um, And in college, this guy was cited for uh, racist comments. And in a league of grown men that are predominantly black and hit people for a living, that just, you can't sell that to NFL guys. And so um, that hire lasted about 24 hours before he was back out the door, rightfully so. Um, You look at the Travis Etienne pick. I don't have that big of a problem with it, but if you're looking to appease Jacksonville's crowd, I feel like you could have done a better job of protecting, you know, your franchise quarterback with a left tackle. Their offensive line's not that good. And left tackle was deep this draft. I I feel like that would have been a more understandable pick. Um, And now the Tim Tebow stuff, you know, you're in Florida. I mean, Urban Meyer, Florida Gator, Tim Tebow, Florida Gator. After two or three bad Trevor Lawrence starts, do you think the Gator faithful down in Jacksonville are going to start calling for Tebow mania again. I'm not saying it's the right thing and I don't think it will happen, but it it'll be talked about. And that's not what you want as a first year head coach. You know, that's bad hype, but yeah, Mm -hmm. urban Meyer, Florida Gator legend. Yeah. A lot of questionable decisions. I I really don't like the, I'm, I'm of opposite thinking. I don't like the ETN pick. Uh, He's very talented. Don't get me wrong, but. But James Robinson, uh, I think he's the guy. Is, and you got him for better. He's the guy. He was like a top five running back in the league base just off last year, obviously. Um, and I think I think that's disrespectful. I think he he earned that job, and you're just gonna replace him with a first round pick one year it, after. I mean, right? It, it kind it of speaks to chip on. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say. Um, it's just, I guess, how life is as an undrafted free agent. No I, one expects much, and then you you do a lot, and then, you're then not you still much. expect regression. Uh, right. I don't know. Yeah, the, the ETN draft pick. Um, I'm not huge on taking running backs in the first round, but if there is a guy and it's a team need, I get it. Like, the Steelers drafting Najee Harris made sense. It was a reach in the first round because any running backs are reaching the first round, but it's what they needed the most. So I get it. Um, I don't know 
I feel like you're kind of making enemies in the locker room, like undrafted free agent, good locker room guy. Everyone likes him because he worked his way onto the team only to dismiss his accomplishments. And it's not as though you don't have a backup running back because they did sign Carlos Hyde this off season. Right. So now you have a, a three man running back crew. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just odd. I agree. Uh, but, you know, speaking of Urban Meyer in Florida, we were prepping for this episode and you mentioned that t- 2007 Florida Gator team, uh, the Urban Meyer and Tim Tebow led Florida Gator team and just how wild that culture was down in Gainesville. Yeah, so not just the football team, uh, but this was all around campus. So there's obviously <laughs> Urban Meyer and, uh, and Tim Tebow. Right. Um, and on the football note, there's also Brandon Spikes, uh, Riley Cooper, I believe Aaron Hernandez, <laughs> um, Cam Newton uh, was also I there. I forgot about that. Uh, yeah. And then sticking with the same sports theme, there was uh, Ryan Lochte, who uh, has had his fair share of stuff going, going around <laughs> as well. Um, Billy Horschel, the golfer. Nice. Um, Joakim Noah was over there playing basketball at the same time. He was actually playing for the the coach at the time, Billy Donovan. (laughs) Um, And the 2007 national champion Gators, right? (laughs) Yep, I believe so. Yeah, I mean, they beat Uh, Ohio State. That's not a question. That was a a fact. They beat Ohio State in 2007 in the Natty. I remember. Yep. Uh, Corey Brewer was on that same team. Gee. Mike and Marquise Pouncey were on football as well as <laughs> Percy Harvin. Forgot about them. Uh, how could I forget about them? Um, but moving into the non-sports world, Dan Bilzerian was also there. Wow. Um, I just thought that was a fun sort of list. Um, and then going back to sports, but baseball, um, they also had eventual Indian uh, below average first baseman. Uh, Matt Laporta. Ah, so talk about a career two thirty, career two thirty, soft hitting, two thousand eleven Cleveland baseball legend for a fourth place AL Central team that finished twenty games below five hundred. Yeah, what an illustrious career for Mister Laporta. Columbus Clippers legend. Columbus Clipper legend. <laughs> but uh, but speaking of the Indians, eight of their last nine uh, have been won. We're so. not going to talk about the one they lost. It was recorded. It was, it was, uh, it happened on the day we recorded the last episode of this show, quite literally 20 minutes after I hit stop recording, the Indians went and got no hit for the second time in 23 days, literally an hour after I was like this Indians offense, they, they don't look great on paper, but they can hang. <laughs> and then they decided to simply not hang against Wade Miley. So, you know, Eight and nine. I think, yeah, I think winning eight of nine, but the one loss being a no hitter kind of speaks to the nature of of a young baseball team. (laughs) Yeah. You're going to have some good games and then you're going to have some questionable games. Yeah. The Um, Indians lead the league right now in games no hit against. (laughs) So, yeah. yeah, In a season. Not a stat you want to lead the league in. No. Even being no hit twice in one season over a 162 game sample size is absurd, let alone like, 50 games right now they're on pace for like seven no hit 
games. I don't know. They won't. And I doubt it happens again, but you know, knock on wood. (laughs) (sighs) Um, Pitching has been good. I mean, if you win eight to nine, pitching is obviously going to be good. Uh, Yeah. It's good to see Cleveland. I wouldn't say winning the Lindor trade. I mentioned this last week, but it's far too early, but Ahmed Rosario was the guy that came in clutch. A, uh, a Francisco Lindor trade piece won the game against the Cubs. So that is something good that happened. He also, I believe that game had half of our hits. Uh, I think he had three or six hits, something in that realm. Um, Just wanted to throw that little tidbit in there. Yeah, this is now in an Ahmed Rosario fan podcast. I'll include it in the uh, the episode description. If you're looking for Ahmed Rosario news, you've come to the right place. Former former MLB top prospect Ahmed Rosario. That's right. Um, but speaking of the Indians, they are playing a top prospect of the Mariners tonight, making his MLB debut. Um, I don't I don't know if is Kellenic playing as well. I think he, I think he is. I think they're both starting. Uh, Kellenic's getting a little more hype just because he's like the number four prospect overall. Um, but mm. I think they are starting two prospects tonight, one on the bump and one in center field. Yeah, so Kellenic will be fun to watch. But the debut I care about as a Stetson alumni um, oh, is congrats. Logan Gilbert on the mound. Oh, thank you. I forgot you just graduated. <laughs> nice. Yep. Uh, this past <laughs> weekend. Um, but I, I'm very excited to see what he does on the mound. Stetson, as as you may know, may not know, very small school, so I, I don't blame you if you don't. Um, can be seen as a pitcher factory if uh, if he gets up there and, and does well. Um, two former Stetson pitchers, uh, you might have heard of them, uh, Corey Kluber and Jacob deGrom. Uh, <laughs> Small name guys, no one really knows them, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, they both came from from here as well. What is uh, that? So four, really, it, four combined Cy Youngs from Stetson. Uh, I believe so. Degrom and Kruger <laughs> both won too, right? Yeah, and and oh. a rookie of the year, I believe, as well. Yeah. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, so very excited to see what Logan Gilbert does. Uh, he was more highly touted than either of them coming out of college. Uh, granted, wow. Jacob deGrom only pitched for, I believe, one year. Uh, he was mostly a shortstop. I read uh, that. I, I, or I didn't read it. I saw it on Bleacher Report. That kind of explains why he can handle the stick at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking, of, speaking of him hitting, he hit one college home run. Uh, any guesses as to who it may have been off of? Uh, you got to give me a hint. Because I don't know. Uh, it was it was a pitcher from Florida Gulf Coast University. FGCU. Okay. Um, in the majors right now? Actually, yes. Okay. Is it is it too obvious if I ask for the team? I would I would say probably. All right, then just give it to me. I don't know. Uh, Chris Sale. Oh, wow. I did not know. I didn't know Chris Sale went to Florida Gulf Coast. I don't know. If you've been Boston, they've got a couple of hurlers out there. Eovaldi, Sale, I don't know. But, yeah. But um, based on baseball, not widely known uh, as a 
hotbed of baseball, pro baseball guys. Um, Sergio Romo was there for a year or two, I believe. Oh, um, Giants Daniel legend Murphy. and Giants legend and MLB opener, Sergio Romo. <laughs> ML, or Daniel Murphy, you know, and probably some other guys that I'm missing, obviously. Um, ah, the guy that made the error at second base. <laughs> but hit a lot of home runs. Yes, no, he's awesome. Uh, he was awesome. Yeah, I like him. But um, but yeah, very excited to see what he does tonight. Um, I I hope it's good, but not too good. Um, I hope I hope he ends the day in a no decision. Cleveland wins the game in the yeah. sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, kind of thing. That yeah. that's best case scenario. Uh, I want him to I want him to do well, but I don't want him to do that well. Um, we especially don't want to add on to our league lead and no hitter start again. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking five innings, pitch count, 85, six, seven strikeouts, three hits, leaves the game with, uh, you know, no run surrendered, but then Cleveland gets to Seattle's bullpen. That's my, that's the top scenario in my opinion. Yep. I agree. You know, you could probably sprinkle in a walk or two, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, he's got, he's got really good stuff. Um, so that'll be a really fun game to watch later. That one doesn't start till 10 though, unfortunately. Uh, being on the west coast late night baseball for cleveland yep. baseball might be catching the box score tomorrow morning all right you got anything else for us any any last minute fadeaway takes that you want to squeeze into this episode last minute fadeaway take um on the same note uh as logan gilbert uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say He'll be he'll be in the final voting for uh, rookie of the year. Oh, take an um, early fire on whatever that bet is. It's got to be plus like three thousand right now. Take an early. I also believe he finishes higher in rookie of the year voting than fellow debut uh, Mariner tonight, um, Travis Kellenick. I or Jared Kellenick. I think I think he finishes higher than Kellenick. So. All right. Well, you heard it here first. Lock in that bet right now. My fadeaway take, the only Cavs news I'll talk about on this show. Welcome back, Anderson Vergeau, I guess. Um, Yeah, 38-year-old center got signed to a 10-day contract as the weirdest signing in sports for about 72 hours until the Jaguars signed Tim Tebow. (laughs) But, yeah, I think that'll do it for this week's show. As always, I'm Isaac. And I'm Will. And we'll see you next week. Maybe Aaron Rodgers is in Denver, maybe not. But if he is, we'll talk about it. Peace.